It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. And joining me today is a man who truly needs no introduction, and yet here I go trying. His 1993 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinement was the ultimate consummation of a career which transcended leagues and eras. He is a six-time ABA All-Star, a one-time NBA All-Star. He's the 1975 ABA champion with the Kentucky Colonels, and his number 44 is retired by the Denver Nuggets, a team he both played for and then coached. He's also, by the way, a Kentucky Wildcats legend. His name is Dan Issel. Dan, Dan thanks so much for joining me today. I'm happy to do it. So, uh, Coach, let's start with this. You you at Kentucky played for Coach Adolph Rupp, uh, one of the titans of, of basketball history. Can you give us a sense of those locker rooms when things were going well and when things were going not so well? What was Coach Rupp like? <laughs> well, Coach, Coach Rupp was a, uh, a very tough man, a, a disciplinarian. If you can believe this, Kyle, uh, it, it certainly wouldn't fly in today's game, but we were not allowed to talk in practice. The only thing you heard was the bouncing of the basketball and the squeak of the, of the sneakers. But uh, I was very blessed to be able to play for Coach Rupp. He, he taught me a lot about the game of basketball, but uh, more importantly, he ta- taught me about the, uh, uh, the game of life. And uh, the four years I spent at Kentucky were uh, my four favorite years of, of, uh, of participating in a game of basketball. That's remarkable, considering just how enjoyable the rest of your career appeared from the outside. And after your days at Kentucky were over, you were put in a remarkable position, being drafted by the Detroit Pistons in the NBA and the Kentucky Colonels uh, in the ABA. And that was in 1970. Can you talk a little bit about the decision you had and and what might have pushed you to the ABA? Uh, It it was actually an an easy decision. Uh, I, I, I had signed my contract with the Kentucky Colonels before the NBA even had their draft uh, and was taken in a later round by Detroit, I guess, in, in case uh, the ABA didn't survive. But uh, I fell in love with Kentucky, even though I grew up in Illinois. When I went to play at UK, I fell in love with the state and with the fans. Uh, my wife, Sherry, was a, a cheerleader at UK, and her family was from Lexington. And uh, one of my dear friends from uh, my days at UK was Louis Dampier, who was playing with the Kentucky Colonels at that time. And so uh, it it was really an extension of my college career going to play for the Colonels. And Kyle, you have to understand that at that time, because uh, the ABA had no restrictions on on who they could draft, uh, about that time, the ABA started uh, getting uh, as much of the young talent coming out of college as the NBA was. I mean, we were, we were drafting people like uh, Julius Irving and George Gervin and, and uh, this year's inductee, George McGinnis, uh, my teammate at Kentucky, uh, Artis Gilmore. So uh, about that time, the ABA really started uh, gaining some traction. Which is remarkable because two of those names you mentioned, Louis Dampier and Artis Gilmore, uh, were not only superstars in the ABA, but they were also, along with you, your teammates on that 74-75 Colonels team that is still the thing of legends. Obviously, Hubie Brown is the coach. You guys really steamrolled your way to that league title. 
Looking back, was that team having as much fun on the inside as it appeared from the out? No question about it. I, I, that was uh, that was easily the best team I ever played on. We were uh, we only won one ABA championship in 1975. We had the talent to win two or three more, I think. And uh, as you look back now, and as you mentioned, Louis and, and artists and. And Brown is also in the Hall of Fame. There aren't too many teams, uh, NBA or ABA, that can look back and say, "Hey, we had we had four four Naismith basketball uh, Hall of Fame members on one team." And certainly, it's it's amazing, Dan. We're speaking with the legendary Dan Issel on the Basketball Hall of Fame Legends of the Game podcast. Of course, after that title, one of my favorite stories and moments in basketball history is when Coach Hubie Brown uh, and uh, John Brown, the owner and the coach of the Colonels, issue that challenge. It's, again, the thing of legends to the Golden State Warriors in a world title game. So I have two questions around that. Do you remember your thoughts when the challenge was levied? And do you really do you think you would have won? I know Hubie certainly does. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, uh, the uh, champions that year were the Golden State Warriors with uh, uh, Rick uh, Rick Barry, uh, and uh, I. I uh, my feeling was I was hoping they would accept. I knew there was no way they would because they had uh, everything to lose and nothing to gain from a, from a championship series or championship game. Uh, but I wish they would have accepted because uh, there's no doubt in my mind we would have we would have won a game or a seven game series against Golden State. You know what I and I'm just having this idea right now, Dan. Uh, maybe we should get. Maybe we should call uh, Mr. Barry. We should call Mr. Gilmore. We have you on the line. Maybe we should actually just organize that now. We could play it out 35 years later at center court on the Hall of Fame. We could get this thing done, couldn't we? <laughs> well, I, I, I've seen Rick in those uh, commercials that he's doing, and he can start, certainly still shoot free throws. However. <laughs> I would put at age 70, uh, I would still put my man Louis Dampier against anybody shooting the basketball. I love it. I love I love just the idea of it. I really do. So before before the season after that, uh, you, you got your first taste of sort of the business-related address changes in, in sports. You were traded to the Baltimore Claws, but even ended up with the Denver Nuggets when the Claws folded. Um, and you were with the Nuggets for the remainder of your career, including that historic ABA-NBA merger. What were those weeks and months like for the players as the ABA and the NBA combined into just one? Yeah, well, you know, I was always fortunate. Uh, the Colonels and, and the Nuggets were... Uh, were certainly two of the more stable franchises in the ABA. I guess you could put the uh, Indiana Pacers and the San Antonio Spurs in that category as well. But, uh, you know, there were always rumors uh, for, for years, rumors about a merger and, uh, and, and the fact that uh, we, were, we were finally going to uh, get the recognition that I think the ABA uh, deserved. But... Uh, by the time the merger finally happened, only four of those teams uh, were included, and uh, I was very fortunate that by the time the merger happened, I was already in uh, in Denver with the Nuggets, and they were certainly, with Carl Shear at the helm, one of the driving forces in, uh, in, in getting the merger accomplished. 
And one of the things too, I mean, with the exception of, of, of sort of what happened after you left the court, just how remarkable your coaching career was, was the durability that you showed on the court. I think the number is 24 games in 15 years that you missed. Only 24 games in 15 years. Now, were you obsessed with health? Were you always playing hurt? Or were you just really lucky? I think all of the above. I tell people I never ran fast enough or jumped high enough to get hurt. So that's, uh, but that's a record I'm, uh, I'm very proud of. 15 years of professional basketball. Uh, I never missed consecutive games. Uh, and only missed, uh, as you said, 24 games, uh, which uh, makes me laugh uh, right now when I see uh, players not playing because of, of uh, needed rest. Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I always felt if I wasn't on the court, I was, I was letting my teammates down and, and letting the fans down that had paid money to just watch us play. So that's a record I'm very proud of. Two more questions for Dan Issel here on the Basketball Hall of Fame Legends of the Game podcast. After you retired as a player, as I mentioned earlier, it didn't take long for Bernie Bickerstaff to convince you to take over the Nuggets as coach and then as president and GM eventually. What was that transition like? Uh, For Bernie to have that kind of faith in me, uh, again, I don't think is something that would happen today. I had never coached at at any level. Uh, I was doing the color. On the uh, on the TV broadcast for the Nuggets, and I guess some something I said or some things that I pointed out made uh, made Bernie think I could coach the team. But uh, for him to to take a chance on me with no coaching experience whatsoever, uh, and and putting me in charge of a, a very talented uh, young basketball team was uh, was something I'll I'll never forget, and I, I always appreciate that Bernie did that for me and. And coaching that team with uh, uh, Dikembe and Lafon Sellis and Brian Smith, Mark Moodoff-Dulauf, and and that crew was uh, was, was certainly a lot of fun because we had young players who were tired of losing, uh, and and they wanted to play hard and they wanted to win, and and uh, so for a couple of years we got that accomplished. You definitely did. I, I think about that 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 historic series as an eight seed knocking off the one. I mean, that was, that, that was one of those accomplishments that up until recently still stood as one of the few times that that happened. And that's a a matter of, I think probably supreme talent and also the incredible coaching of a guy who was just trusting his abilities. How much about it in the early, in the early years for you was just Dan Issel trusting what you knew to be true from maybe the Adolf Rupp years? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Kyle. I mean, I, I I was fortunate to play for some of the all-time great coaches in basketball history, starting with Coach Rupp at Kentucky. Uh, then I came for QB Brown, a Hall of Famer. Larry Brown, a Hall of Famer. Uh, Doug Moe. And, and um, you know, I tried to, to kind of encapsulate all of the good things uh, that I learned from each each one of those coaches, but you know it was really the players. Uh, uh, as I said, they they paid attention, they paid, played hard, uh, they wanted to win, uh, and uh, and and to upset the Seattle SuperSonics, who had the best record in the NBA that that year, uh, with an eighth place team was a, a pretty nice accomplishment. Did you let them talk during practice? 
let me tell you something. There's no way you could shut up Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> Even if I had that rule, he, he wouldn't be able to follow it. So, yeah, they, they got to talk in practice. That's fantastic. Finally, what is it like to be working with the Hall of Fame at this stage in your life? Oh, it's, um, it, you know, it's, it's the best of the best. I, I, I never forget um, uh, my dear friend Franny at, at the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. Uh, I took uh, my two uh, older grandchildren on a tour, and Fran gave us a tour of the Hall of Fame. And she, she started by telling my grandchildren that, in their estimation, 200 million people, 200 million people have played the game of basketball since Dr. Naismith invented it. Uh, and there are... Uh, approximately 400 people in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I don't know if that impressed my grandchildren, but it, it impressed me. And, uh, you know, to be to be in that company, to be considered uh, with some of the greatest players that have ever put on a pair of sneakers, uh, you know, you can't describe it. It's, uh, it's a blessing and... And, uh, and and I, I love being able to say I'm in the Hall of Fame. Well, he is a legend of ABA, NBA, and NCAA history. His name is Dan Issel. He's a 1993 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Kyle. Anytime.